Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan Jayaraja, the college football editor at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We can find us on Twitter at DCTF. If you're not as yet, become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And by the way, now is the absolute best time to become a subscriber because as Ishmael Johnson on the other line can tell you, we got a magazine. Yeah, after finally, what, three, four months of uh of work and uh i guess two months of hardcore hunker down work <laughs> um yeah finally released the cover uh on monday i guess uh monday right june 1st yeah yes yes and i will say real quick you know not to be i hate being sales guy here but the one thing that i'll say is if you want to guarantee that your magazine will be mailed to you before it hits bookstands become a subscriber before this friday right. friday is when we are sending uh we're sending the list off to the publisher at that point we cannot help you you know <laughs> you're gonna get it whenever it comes so uh if you do it by friday though we will guarantee that you that you will get your magazine before it hits book stands so to get started let's uh let's talk about that cover yeah man so smu quarterback shane Bouchel graces the cover of dave campbell's text football the 61st edition he's the first smu player and this is kind of crazy to grace the cover since lance McElhenney in t- 1983 was it that is it that crazy i i mean look <laughs> i i did an interview with with the houston radio station uh, a few hours ago and mm-hmm. you know i i was we were kind of getting into it it's like Everything that could have gone wrong for SMU over the last 30 years went wrong. Right. Because, you know, if you if you get death penalty, you know, that's obviously bad. That sucks, all that. But then they got death penalty, and then realignment happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just if realignment happens in 1985, like, SMU is not left out. Right. You know, SMU is not left out. And, um, and then, obviously, you know, the... The Cowboys also become a bigger part of the city, and you know there's just no room really left for a for a college football team of Dallas. It's it's kind of crazy, um, you know, just all the factors that kind of went into eventually SMU kind of getting left out. I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, like like you mentioned, like you know, once the Pony Express hype kind of faded. I mean, it was what? When was June Jones? What? 2012? Kind of. 10 to 12 10 to 13 somewhere in that range around there in that range like it was literally that long before like not even they were like good before they were relevant like looking back on those june jones years like what what were his records again it was like seven they got to eight yeah they got to eight wins and people were like will like ready to build him a statue like (laughs) and it just showed how yeah i have it up right here so one level 11 his first year uh eight and five seven and seven eight and five seven and six and people were ready to absolutely just name everything after him right it was such a uh, it was such a huge feat I mean, for goodness sake, Chad Morris, you know, who right, yeah. obviously big fans of, he got to seven and six, and they're like, SEC, Give let's him go. the Arkansas job. <laughs> right. You know, and, and like, it, it's just crazy how difficult it's been to build here. But, um, you know, let, let's talk about Shane for a second. So, yeah. uh, obviously... My story won't be out until the magazine is out, but uh, but you know, to give people a little bit of a look inside, it's kind of about how Shane Bouchel and his presence helped really. It was kind of the final stamp on that program. It's the final mm-hmm. thing that they needed to to really take that next step. And um, you know, the funny thing talking to people is like, obviously his on the field performance is a huge deal, but like 
what he was able to do kind of off the field, just really bringing people together. Yeah. Uh, even though he's not a super vocal guy, that was honestly, I, I mean, you hear all these cliches all the time, right? You know, you right. hear like, oh, he's a leader. He's, you know, all that sort of stuff. First one in, last one out, all that. But it, this is kind of a very good example of how that stuff actually works in practice. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's I don't want to give anything out of your story, but it was, it was very obvious how like he was able to quickly captivate that locker room, right? How he was able to balance, you know, because he was still living in Austin by when he first yeah. transferred, right? And so how he was able to really balance that work life and, and or, you know, two work lives, basically, um, still being at UT and then obviously wanting to acclimate at SMU. Um, and he was able to do that. And it was it was like, it was instantaneous. And it helps, obviously, him being here. So, like, you know, some of the players are familiar with him. Some of the, you know, he's familiar with the area, uh, obviously, being from Arlington. But still, like, that's still a, a load on a, on, a, on a kid's back. Yeah, and this is something that, obviously, I wrote about last year. But, um, but you know, something that has to be part of the story, too, is how, you know, Sonny Dykes and, obviously, the whole creative team there really took advantage of this moment. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously... We won't know until there are more games, until recruits actually sign. But, I mean, you look at how they're recruiting right now and how yeah. they've really leveraged this marketing. I mean, it is it is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, they don't get a, you know, they don't get a Preston Stone without what Shane Bichelle and that team did last year. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it's, it's a really fun uh, feature. We're really excited about this cover. I mean, again, when we go out to pick a cover... Like there's so many factors that are involved with it, obviously, and and mm -hmm. everything kind of has to be right. I mean, yep. especially you know, to be frank, for a group of five team to end up on the cover, like things have to work out perfectly. Right. You know, you you have to obviously have that season. You have to also have a lot of stability. That's also been a big issue before. You know, with with other great group of five teams, you know, you just don't their know necessarily. Their coaches get plucked, or their you know, it was everything was due to a strong senior class. So there's no one returning. That's really like right. you know, it's worth highlighting. Well, and that's the funny thing is, like, if SMU has this season and Ben Hicks is still the quarterback and he graduates, like, right. like oh, they're not oh. on the cover. Right. Right. You know, we're, we'd love to, you know, retroactively put James Prochet on the cover or something, but you can't. He's gone. You know, right. we can't put him on the cover of our preview magazine. So it's uh, if it, it, things really have to work out, things really have to be a big story. But, um, you know, I, I think that this process was really interesting, too, this year because, there were a couple of different places that had like a moderate case, you mm -hmm. know, like, but it was, you know, with all the uncertainty, obviously because of COVID and all the uncertainty with a couple of coaching changes, like it, it made this one a little tougher in some ways. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, like you mentioned, like there was so many like what if cases, right. Where I was like, Oh man, if this, and, and it, we had to also like, we took, we take this into consideration, like how, a, how well will it age? You know, um, right. And it was like there were some st in cases where you're like, oh, could we call our shot? You know, maybe um, with a with a with a story or something and say and maybe project something pretty big happening or um, or in the case like this where it was maybe some semblance of stability. And, you know, but those stories weren't as I don't want to say concrete, but those stories d definitely didn't have the the making of something in like multiple different categories like smu did like you mentioned smu is a story about a program rebirth it's a, it's a story about kind of a new way of doing things with their transfer model it's a story about you know shane bichelle and his kind of redemption um it's it's and then obviously like the whole dfw marketing of all of it like there's so many different things that i think eventually we just kept coming back we're like you know what we can't 
we're running out of reason to say no to this. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, the talking about calling your shot. You know, for example, we definitely considered doing sort of a, you know, thinking back, I guess, to sort of that 16 Mahomes cover, right? Like, yeah. that was something where, you know, they kind of went out on a limb in <laughs> a lot of ways. Um, you know, but... Again, when you feel like you have something that's a little bit more concrete, uh, you know, that's kind of the direction we opted to go. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, so for people, I'm assuming everybody who's listening at this point is fairly familiar with our magazine. But, uh, you know, so obviously we've got like five page previews of every single FBS team in the state. We've got full page previews of every single FCS team in the state. We've got conference previews for everybody else. We touch on everybody else, uh, every every school of the 47 that play college football in Texas. So, so as you know, you obviously did the Texas State uh, FBS preview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was it like putting that together? Obviously having to do everything from your living room. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was difficult, obviously. But, I mean, I got to give credit to coach spav and texas state um you know they were all they were i basically got all my interviews done within a couple days um of each other and they were really quick to get things together and you know um coach spav was really open about just everything um as far as like his first year and um even you know i asked him an opening question just about like covid and how they're handling that and how they're handling team meetings and how you know obviously it hurts to interrupt their their spring um which is such a crucial spring for them having to make so many adjustments him becoming the play caller installing a new oc um but and obviously brady mcbride as well leading the offense um but you know i don't know about you but it felt like i don't say it was easier but it definitely felt like i was able to get things done in a more timely fashion as far as my interviews and preparation and stuff yeah, it, w- it was kind of interesting for me because I think that the positive is that every school was kind of getting used to everybody doing everything remotely, right? So, right. like, you know, it, they had sort of their processes in place. They kind of were used to setting up interviews. But, you know, for me, and, and again, I did uh, nine of the 12 FBS previews. I did two FCS previews, I believe, then a bunch of conference and all that sort of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, like, obviously – ideally for every fbs section i'm trying to get like four to five interviews right Right, and and so um you know i was able to get head coaches pretty easily across the board i was able to get assistance with some regularity and figuring out players was definitely a process (laughs) right (laughs) you know the, the funny thing about it is that you know we obviously start planning for this and putting this together starting as early as like late february and early march like that's Mm -hmm. that's how much work we put into this magazine we put like three months of work into this magazine and um you know i basically lost the two most critical weeks in the middle there during uh the whole COVID thing Mm -hmm. yeah right right exactly because all of a sudden everybody was gone nobody was in touch with anybody else i mean that made it it's funny i actually like that week had trips set up to go to Tarleton to San Antonio for UTSA and to Lubbock. I had Mm -hmm. set up trips and all those were gone. And I had to set up, you know, every one of those uh, interviews individual uh, individually, basically. So it was, (laughs) it just made it such more of a process, but uh, you know, I mean, I've got to give a lot of credit and a lot of thanks to all the SIDs who worked very closely with us who, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I know that there is, running around confused with their head cut off as we are just trying to coordinate everything so a lot of thanks to to all of them um 
was there anything in the magazine that uh, on the college side especially that you did that um that really stood out to you um hmm that's a good question because i did uh, for peeking behind the curtain i did texas state i did the sunbelt preview and i did the conference usa preview um sure. oh and then i also did um uh, uiw as well so yes, yes. i think i'm trying to think I feel like talking to Coach Morris from UIW was pretty eye-opening. I'm trying to remember. I'm glancing at my notes right now to see if that was anything that specifically stood out. Well, one of them, I will say one of them was that he was really open about how how he thinks the team might have bought into a little bit of hype last year. Yeah, Um, Because, I mean, obviously we were guilty of that. You know, everybody had that UTSA win as, like, a really favorable fbs fcs matchup um and obviously utsa put that to rest kind of pretty quickly but um i think he said you know he he mentioned um let me see if i can find there was a quote in here yeah maybe a little maybe a little bit of us reading into our own press clippings thinking we were a little better than we were at that point in time contributed to it so that's one thing for me being a young head coach and really trying to navigate my way through these things as they happen and so um that's one of the things i kind of hint on was like you know hey this is still a team that's building right like everybody after they made the playoffs the first year which i think was a little bit more attributed to the southland being down as opposed to them maybe being ahead of schedule um that i don't want to say that was a fluke but it definitely was like okay it, it masked a lot of things that were still wrong with that problem and he's pretty and he was pretty open about that i was really happy yeah and and you know it's kind of funny right because when this sort of stuff happens, especially like at the higher FBS levels, like you're like, okay, there's step one, step two is coming. But like, right. that's one of the funny things about the Southland Conference is that everybody is so balanced right now. Right, everybody's and, really good. <laughs> right, everybody is a dang headache. You know, yeah. I mean, Houston Baptist was ranked top 25 going into conference play, and then they lost like four straight right. against teams that, you know, not because they were a fluke or anything because the teams are just better yep. you know and like and and that's the thing is like you know uh, uiw got the turnover like a little bit in 2018 uiw got you know great play from the quarterback who kind of i don't want to say got figured out a little bit but like mm-hmm. you know it, they, they scouted better obviously against sure. him like it, and then for example last year houston baptist kind of is that team with bailey zappy kind of being the john copeland of 2019 mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and, and so um no i it's always fun to talk to the the F- fcs coaches because they are really honest you yeah. know and they're they they don't sort of try to like again don't get me wrong uh, you know interviewing some of the major FB, uh, fbs and power five coaches is great but like mm-hmm. they're politicians you know right, they sure, they sure. know what they stand for and what they have to represent well, I will and, s- uh, yeah i will yeah. say um to to kind of piggyback off of that or i guess buck a little bit of that um Coach Spav was really, really open about why he didn't call plays last year, which is something that I had a question. You know, I was like, obviously, when he was hired, people assumed that he would call plays. And um, the delegating to Bob Stitt at the time was kind of a surprise. And he basically said, you know, I go into a little bit more um, uh, in the piece, but he more or less said, I didn't I was unsure about balancing play calling with the rest of the responsibilities of being head coach. Sure. And he, 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 I, I asked him straight up. I was like, so was it mostly about you not really, I don't want to say being confident, but you not being sure about being able to juggle all of that 
you know, in-game, you know, timeouts and game management, clock management. And he basically said yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and now, you know, after he'd seen that and after he'd seen, the, gotten the, the you know, uh, games under his belt and gotten used to it. And now, you know, he's like, okay, now I can do this and I'm going to get back to what got me hired and what, you know, I built my resume on. And um, he goes into it a little bit more than that. But yeah, that, that was, that was one thing that I was really pleasantly surprised that he was open about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's sort of the, the struggle about being a head coach, right? Is like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's something, uh, you know, I remember back when Lincoln Riley was hired is like, right. I know that he can coach offense, but like, how do you manage all this stuff? And it, it's just a hard sell. You know, I mean, it's hard to have to worry about, like you said, I mean, the defensive personnel that's going out onto the field, the injuries, the, you know, clock management, mm-hmm. uh, just keeping everybody on the same page. I mean, having to flip between offense and defense in your headset. I mean, that's no yeah. small feat. <laughs> yeah. And so, no, but it, it is going to be interesting to see what he can do with it. So I'm trying to think back to my interviews now. So obviously, I mean, SMU's folks are always great. I mean, they're some of the best to talk to, uh, mm-hmm. out of really any of the coaches that I talk to. Um, you know, another guy who I'll, who I'll talk about a little is I wasn't sure what to expect from Dave Aranda, <laughs> you know, because sure, sure. he is very much like a he, he kind of gets the label of being like an intellectual. But there is really something to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he is somebody who is very straightforward, very honest, very open. But like, it's funny talking to him after Matt Rule was the head coach of Baylor, right? right. Because they are literally the opposite person. <laughs> and, but I was I was really surprised with kind of what you were saying about Spav, like how honest he was and how open he was and how thoughtful he was. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that it's very easy to, um, you know, again, kind of not say anything. And and he didn't he didn't really do that much media at LSU. You know, sure, so sure. this isn't this isn't like. He's been sitting here doing these press conferences every week. Like, what happens at some of these other major schools? Like, they're kind of hiding the yeah. coordinators in that case. Um, you know, but he was really thoughtful. Uh, very uh, very similar to what I saw when I saw him speak at the Lone Star Clinic earlier in February. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just very, again, just very thoughtful. That's really the, the thing that I'll say about him. And, you know, same sort of deal with, with like, in, on a, in a different world with like uh larry fedora you know who's obviously Mm -hmm. the offense coordinator there is you can tell that you know he's been a head coach he just the way that he talks and the way he he handles himself uh you know that was really interesting to me yeah for sure um you know we mentioned i'm glad you mentioned aranda because i mean there was no coach and for right reason you know he we didn't have a chance to talk with him he's obviously the new power five coach in the state but he was obviously the, the biggest unknown in the state um and LSU media really didn't know him. I mean, they knew about him, but it was like, okay, how how's he gonna be? He's like, ah, I don't know. Like, he's like, what's yeah. his, what's his offense gonna be? Ah, I don't know. He hired Larry Fedora. Like, like it's just like, <laughs> right. and his defense is like, ah, I don't know. He's a coordinator, or I don't know. It's just you just kind of like chuck it up to I don't know whatever. Um, and so yeah, it was it, it obviously COVID interrupted what would have been your chance to go see him and you know get get a little bit more sit down or maybe have a an experience of what his program or media access would look like. Um, I'm curious if you would, would you, um, because obviously new coaches especially have certain protocols for media, especially in their first spring practice. And yeah. I'm wondering if he would have even been this open if we, if he was allowed to have practice in spring practice and um, was having more regular media availabilities as opposed to these kind of appointment ones. 
Yeah, well, and, and the thing that's kind of interesting in general, right, is mm-hmm. obviously there are only two new FBS head coaches in the state, but sure. only one of them is Power 5, right? So the only guy who's really getting, like you said, kind of that attention, that consistent sort of push is going mm-hmm. to be Dave Aranda. He's going to have to get his right. team up to speed very quickly. Um, and, and on top of that, like, this is a team that just won 11 games. You mm-hmm. know, you can't go back and have a five and seven rebuilding season after you just won 11 games, right. you know? So I, it's definitely something that, that we're going to try to maybe push for is to see whether, you know, I can try to get to, to Baylor camp a little bit. Cause I'm just curious, right? Like, sure, sure. like how do you set all these, you know, how do you set up the drills that you do? How do you set up the offense that you're going to do? That was actually something that um, actually another new guy in the States, Barry Lunny, I, I was yeah, really impressed totally. by. Um, you know, I talked a lot about uh, how they were going to do things because mm-hmm. you look at their offensive staff. I mean, it's kind of bizarre because they got guys who, obviously, Lunny, who worked under both a pro style and a spread head coach um, mm-hmm. at Arkansas. Then you've got a guy who worked under Sterling Gilbert as their offensive line coach, you know, who obviously ran more of sort of the Bryle style offense. You've got guys who've run spread, you've got guys who've run pro, you've got guys who've run multiple, like, what the hell does that even mean? You right. know, and, and like Jeff Trailer at his intro press conference was like, basically just expect the unexpected. What what the hell kind of <laughs> offense is that? You know, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's going to be real interesting to kind of see, and and that was something that I tried to push on, and obviously, you know, there's only so much that you can kind of, <laughs> you know, get when not even they really know because they don't know spring practice, but mm-hmm. it's uh. It, it, that's kind of a fun thing about this, right? It's just trying to, to nudge and push. And, you know, again, I was very forward in asking Gary Patterson, what the hell is this offense structure? And, right. you know, it, it's the, the funny thing about this magazine, and it's going to be interesting how things go and how we look back at this in hindsight in terms of the quality of the previews. But, like, you know, we didn't have, or the coaches didn't have that much more information than we had in mm-hmm. a lot of cases. Right. Yeah. No, 100%. But, yeah, no, it's uh, this was a bear to put together, obviously. So I got to give a big shout out to, you know, to everybody on our editorial staff who worked their absolute asses off during mm-hmm. this whole process. I know. And I think uh, people know. what people don't realize a lot of the time is like, yes, the writing takes a lot. And, you know, getting all the interviews and, and getting all the all the content down, because like, there, I don't know if there, there, there's ever that moment for you, but there comes the moment for me where like. I'm gathering all the interviews and I'm like, cool, I'm done. I was like, oh wait, now I gotta write. Like now, I gotta, like you're, you're. He's like, oh, I've, ta- I've talked, I've spoken to the five, four or five people, whatever. Okay, cool. And then you're like, oh wait, now I actually gotta do it. And like, you're staring at like your recordings. You're like, oh, now I gotta transcribe. And okay, now. And then like, you know, it, it's just like one wait after another. He's like, okay, now I'm done. Now I'm done recording. Or now I'm done interviewing. Okay, now I gotta transcribe. Now I gotta write. And then, <laughs> and then after all that, and then you gotta go back and read everything. You know, like right. that's. Right. That was the biggest. Those are some of the biggest hurdles that kind of get lost in the shuffle. Because now you, you know, you send your pieces off to to Greg or to the to the designer or whatever, and you're like, cool, we're done. And it's like, nope, now it's proofreading. Okay, now I got to read all this back. <laughs> now I got to read other people's stuff. Now I got to read Shahans. Now I got to read Tepper's. You know, like it's it gets passed around a lot. And then you're then by the end you're just like, okay, I don't want to want to read anything sports for like the next month. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what the the weirdest thing for me more than anything is like. At least when I go and do these visits, right? Like if I go to San Antonio to, for, to UTSA, right? I am right. in UTSA mode all right. day long. Yeah, you'll you'll go to the interview, then you'll go to your hotel and re- and transcribe. Right, yeah. but like 
with a lot of these, I was doing interviews with vastly different schools on the same day, right? right? So, like, you know, I remember one of the days, I think, I think I got Dana Dimmel from UTEP, and then I got the UTSA coordinators, and then I got, like, a Baylor assistant. Right. And then the next, so I have to, like... You're just in three different minds. Right, right. And, I mean... Look, I I hope that, you know, when we talk about this stuff, it feels, you know, relatively effortless. But I'll tell you what, to get into the weeds with three different teams on one day, it is a lot. And I mean, look, I don't think that it's any secret to anybody that, like, there are obviously teams that I know their rosters better than others. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, like, you know what, whenever I'm going through UTSA's defense, for example, right, like, they lost a lot. I got to figure out who these guys are. And and on top of that, the coaches don't even really know who they are in (laughs) in this case. It's, uh, man, it was, uh, (laughs) this was definitely one of the more interesting processes I've had to be through just for that reason, because, like, I couldn't, like, again, when I went to UTEP last year, for example, like, I did Dana Dimmel, and then I did the two coordinators, and I did three players, and I was in UTEP mode all day long. Right. So it's, it, uh, man, but I'll tell you what, I, again, I'm really proud of this magazine because of all of this that had to go into it. Um, you know, and one thing to touch on too, so obviously we always do two covers. Um, yeah. And the main cover was Shane Bouchelle. Um, you know, that'll be the one that's front facing when we get, when we go to press, when, we, when it goes to book stands, et cetera, et cetera. But um, how many years in a row have we done a gatefold at this point? Like five years in a row, something like uh, that? I want to say the first one was Danaher uh, with the Ellinger cover. No, with the no uh, uh, Ellinger was Mahomes. Um, let me see. So I, would have been I'm trying to think of 2015. I want to say 2015 was the first gatefold. That must have been 15 because I think that it, yeah, that was the King cover. I think it was on the back of the uh, on the back of the play the game cover. I think that's right. Oh uh, well, no, I think. Oh, geez, that's a good question. Let me let me bring up the store real quick. Because oh oh no 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 it was, no, 20, no. It was think... twenty it was it, I think Mahomes was the first one. Okay okay yeah because it, Ma- it was Mahomes and Ellinger, and then it was um, Herman and and um, uh, Danner. And Danner. Yeah so and then I want to say yes, Mahomes was the first cover because then it was Jimbo and Ed then it was uh, Ellinger and um, the Duncan Bell North Shore yeah that one and then this year uh, I don't think I've even mentioned this yet uh, this year on the Gateful cover we are having a celebration of a hundred years of Texas high school football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, designed by the great Peyton Offill, who got a uh, a promotion to a new job in the middle of doing this. By the way, so right? Yeah, he all got, the, picked, all got the picked up by A and M. The, be, the best recruiting pickup by A and M so far this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's saying something. I mean, A and M's uh, you know really good at what they do, but man, Peyton right. is Peyton is a king. We actually. You know, I remember back uh, in 2018, my first year here, he was at the Canadian Record News, I think Canadian, it was. Canadian Record Times, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, way up in the panhandle for people who don't know where Canadian is, which until I was aware of him, that was mm-hmm. me. But uh, <laughs> but he was doing incredible work just at like this small town newspaper. And yeah, he, I, I remember I first caught on to him because uh, Can- that was when Canadian made state. And yeah. so I just kept seeing his graphics come up every week in the playoffs. And I'm like, these are like, diff- like the, literally in my mind, I was like, this is FBS top yeah. tier power five graphics that he's doing for Canadian high school. And it was yeah. Canadian, I think Canadian and West as well. West, um, yeah, Texas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was, <laughs> and then let's soon enough, like a couple months after the state championships, he gets picked up by Oklahoma state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, it's funny that you mentioned that. I mean, cause people see these graphics and they're like, oh, wow, these are really cool pictures, really cool graphics. But, like, the amount of work 
especially in a small town newspaper to right. get the photos for all of that because you gotta you gotta like have that in mind basically that yep. you're gonna do this yep. and and do these photo shoots before the season basically to create these graphics that are just incredible i mean it was it was unbelievable but so for people who haven't seen um the secondary cover is basically an homage to 100 years of, of Texas high school football it's got mm-hmm. um so it's got like sort of a main football player in the middle that's sort of a modern player and then along the the left side there's sort of a stack of 10 ish players mm-hmm. and i have and, uh, let me see i have you have the list have, yeah i have the list right here so the big player head figurehead is caleb lantelme of 2019 west texas um, and our idea for this to, to be clear you know we yeah. just wanted to have a representation of texas high school football you know right. of what it is in 2019 the average like, player Right. Right, it, was, it, right. wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be it wasn't supposed to be Kyler Murray it wasn't supposed to be Earl Campbell or you know it wasn't supposed to be anybody like right. anybody legendary it was just like here's the modern player yeah and I just I think it's the coolest thing in the world that we got you know again uh, Peyton was was working in in West Texas in, in the panhandle like we said and so you know he ended up using a player who was at West Texas High School which is a 2A school in the panhandle you know mm-hmm. I, I just absolutely love that I think that's the perfect perfect thing that we're looking for exactly yeah no it turned out incredible um I was wondering I kept wondering because Greg wouldn't tell me what he had in mind until we saw the, de- the design and I yeah. was like what are we like I kept like <laughs> he kept all he kept saying was yeah I have something in mind and I'm like I don't I don't know what that means <laughs> like and then uh and then obviously you know Peyton just put it together and it came out incredible but yeah i was so frustrated i was like what are you talking about what what are we doing for this cover well and it's funny too because we when we saw the first cover we're like okay this is really cool but like where did you get that stock image of a football player yeah we thought it was just a random like a a player like just from whatever like just a stock image from stockimages.com or something and no it turned out yeah it was just a portrait that he had taken it's amazing man well, it was. It's turned out so great. I'm. I'm so happy with that cover. And I mean, honestly, I have no idea if we have plans. But man, we should. We should probably sell posters of that. Like that's. I think that that would do really well. I know, right? Yeah, it's a. It's a special one. So make sure we'll get and, on and it. yes, we'll definitely get on it. So if you haven't as yet, uh, check out both covers at TexasFootball.com. So, um, one last thing. Okay, we'll do this real quick. Uh, obviously, we just released the 2020 cover, but. I think it's a lot of fun to look ahead right now because we absolutely know nothing. If you had to pick right now who you think is going to be on the 2021 cover, call your shot. Ooh, man. Uh, right now. Golly. I'm going to try and say, oh, God. Do you have somebody right now? Because I'm. Try- I gotta. I gotta scramble and think real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I will say. So last year, uh, I think at this time I asked this question, and I believe I guessed that uh, that Baylor would be on the cover. Mm-hmm. And and I'll tell you what. If uh, if Matt Rule wasn't a jerk who got a ton of money to coach a professional football team, you know what? They would have had a better chance. <laughs> but uh, but you know. So I take a little bit of pride in that, even if it wasn't uh, exactly right. But um, so this year. Obviously, again, so many things left to happen, so many factors taken into account. I think that Texas A&M is going to find a way onto the cover. Yeah, I, I, that, that's, I, I, that could be a, that's a really good pick right now. And so, for me, the, the funny thing about it is, like, obviously, Kellamon's graduating, mm-hmm. um, you know, so he won't be it. I can't imagine that we're going to put Jimbo back on the cover right. so soon. Um, I, For me, 
the thing I'd love to do, I would love to go defense. I would mm. really love to go defense. So I, if this, again, this is a total shot in the dark. I would say that at this moment, the cover that I'd love to do next year, if it works out that the way that I think it's going to work out, I'd love to put Bobby Brown and Marvin Leal on the cover. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. And kind of have it as like the the wrecking crew, or you know, just something like that. Something, I, you know, yeah. now for this to work, Anum has to be a lead on defense, right? Like sure, they can't sure. be really good. They got to right. be like we're causing havoc, right? And, or, yeah, we're and, wrecking know, shop, right? But um, you know, I think that everybody knows how high we are on both of those players, and I mean, obviously, you know, I think that like an Isaiah Spiller can make sense too. I mean, there's there's plenty of options at A and M, and it really, really, really depends on how the season goes, and obviously, it depends on how the season goes if they're even gonna have a chance. But right. I, if I'm gonna call my shot right now, I think uh, I think I'm gonna say those two defensive linemen. So, part of me wants to go. There's one player this hinges on, and I feel like he's. He, I feel like he wouldn't be there. I, we, okay. I would love to go Texas secondary, but okay. I feel like Stearns. There's a chance if they blow up, Stearns is going pro. Yeah, um, yeah. And I feel like you cannot do secondary without Stearns. No, you cannot. No, you so cannot. I'm gonna go with Isaiah Spiller just based off okay. safe. Safe. Um, it'd be a running back. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time we had a running back. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, let me see. I'm actually going to look this up. Uh, yeah, so they had so they had Ingram on the it, cover of the recruiting the, magazine. Is it the Grays? Um, I think it might have been the Grays. Yeah, back was in 2011. 2011 with uh, Cyrus yeah. and Jonathan Gray. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I mean, I, I I'm going to go Spiller. Um, yeah. But I've God if, if Stearns were to hang around, I feel like a yeah. secondary <laughs> cover would be would be something that I would love to do too. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. For me, like, you, I think that we've put out a string of fantastic covers, obviously. But sure. the thing that I'll say is, like, you're talking uh, you're talking about our last, you know, I guess, again, until 2011, like, we've only put quarterbacks and coaches on the cover. Mm-hmm. With with the exception, obviously, which I don't even know if this really counts. Like, obviously, Antoine Goodley was on the Baylor cover. Right. But, like, he was and in the Ed Oliver was on the gatefold, too. Yes, and Ed Oliver was definitely on the gatefold. And yeah. and that, you know, I mean, again, like, <laughs> you know, that does make me a little sad that things just didn't quite work out with that one. But, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, I I would love to put somebody that's not a coach or a quarterback on the cover next year. I think that, I think that we're probably due for that. Sure. And, you know, and for me, like, that's why it was fun to put a group of five team on the cover this year. Like, we haven't done that in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I think that obviously season has to go a certain way and and a player has to step up but uh but i'd love to put i'd really love to put a defender on the cover because because uh, the last defender that was on the cover do you actually do you actually know who it was last defender. was it dad and win so he was the last solo defender yes okay. but there was one other defender who was on a cover <sighs> during see. our stretch of putting random people on the cover <laughs> um let me see if i can guess Was it? Who was it? I have no idea. TCU's Tommy Blake in two thousand seven. Wow. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So uh, that one didn't age the best, right. but uh, <laughs> but um, that's how long it's been. I mean, it's been it's been thirteen years, obviously, and and it's been over twenty since since there's a solo player on the cover. Hmm. Um, so look, I I mean, 
I think the state is also moving in a defensive direction. I think yep. that that's certainly something to think about. You know, when you look at you look at now three of the five uh, power five teams in Texas, I think you could argue are defense first now. And yeah. and so I think that I think that, that would be really cool to get a defender on the cover. But 100%. anyway, uh, it's been fun. Sorry that it's been, you know, a good two months since we've recorded an episode. But uh, <laughs> But obviously, you know, when we're trying to put together a magazine from the comfort of our own homes, it's, <laughs> things things get a little out of hand. So, uh, but we're happy to be back. We're happy uh, to, to be back talking college football with you guys. And, and look, obviously a lot has happened since we've been gone. We will get into more of it next week. We just didn't feel any rush to, to try to shove the cover aside and shove the magazine aside. But right. uh, we'll make sure and talk about everything else in the, in the next couple of weeks. So, so make sure and check back. And uh, again... If you're not it as yet, please become a subscriber, textfootball.com slash subscribe. And again, you need to do it by Friday to make sure that you get your magazine early. So uh, do that. If uh, Otherwise, you can follow us on Twitter, at DCTF. Follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Find all of our work at texasfootball.com. All right, Ish, anything else? Uh, no, everybody stay safe. Stay safe, everybody, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>